Hi everybody, Dave here. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to interview Dan Walsh about one of the projects he was working on called OCID, or the Open Container Initiative Daemon. Between the time we recorded the episode, Nick going live, the project was actually renamed to CRI-O. So instead of redoing the show with Dan, uh, Gunnar and I decided to let the tape roll as is and point you to the show notes at dgshow.org for a link discussing the new naming. We hope you enjoy this episode. If you have any feedback, feel free to reach out to us. And in the meantime, sit back and enjoy this great interview with Dan Walsh. Thanks. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to another Dave and Gunner show. So I'm joined here today with Dan Walsh, and I'm really excited to uh, hear about some of the work that we've been doing with OCID. So uh, Dan, saw saw that you did a blog post um, with with Muranal uh, Patel, and so what's going on uh, with with OCID? Well, uh, OCID is a little effort that uh, my team, the container team, is uh, working on at Red Hat to uh, sort of experiment and, and and look at how we can run containers uh, underneath Kubernetes. So, so mm-hmm. one of our goals is to experiment at, with containers in production. Uh, we really we feel that uh, most work on containers at this point has really been guided more towards um, sort of the developer. You know, people talk about DevOps all the time. And um, so all the great work that Docker and others are doing in the container world is, is really concentrated more on the developer side. So we wanted to uh, sort of turn that on the air and, and, and look at, you know, could we run uh, could we run these containers in production better? Um, since Kubernetes is our core technology for for running containers, you know, multi multi service, multi uh, platform containers, um, especially under OpenShift, we wanted to look at uh, potentially you know using a different daemon for actually running the containers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened last week is uh, we we've been sort of experimenting with this. We've actually got OCID as a underneath the Kubernetes incubator project. And and we've been fooling around with it, but the the press picked up on it uh, about a, you know, a week ago, and they contacted Ronald and myself to uh, wanted to interview us on it. Um, so we, uh, last week we put out a blog uh, on the basically the same day that the press was interviewing us because we wanted to get Red Hat's statement out on it because we knew that um, the the press is going to try to blow this into some kind of uh, uh, Docker fork or, or or something like that, and that's really not what the intention of this is. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we we basically wrote the blog to describe it, and then we talked to the press and tried to explain to them what we're doing. And of course, the next day, the press still comes out and says, you know, we're forking Docker. But um, <laughs> so you know, there's there's not much you can do about that. But um, uh, so uh, that that's what's going on. Okay, so let, let's so OCID uh, it stands for the Open Container Initiative Daemon, right? Correct. Yeah, and so what? It's made up of a, a bunch of components. Uh, so what right. are, what are those components? Okay, so um, first of all, it's OCI. If we're not related to OCI, um, you know the the, the OCI initiative, um, but what, the goal was to build a daemon that could run uh, images and. Um, um, use the OCI runtime for running the images. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why we called it OCID. Um, but it, 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 the what we looked at when we're looking at Docker is, you know, what what do you do when a container is in production? And and 
you know, what is, what is a service or, or a, you know, an orchestration service going to do when it's running a container? Um, so what it boils down to is you're going to talk to the service, you know, you talk to a, you bring up a new node and the node's running. Um, and all of a sudden you say, I want to run a container on it. So, you, mm-hmm. so OpenShift sends a message to Kubernetes. Kubernetes is going to talk to some kind of daemon and that, tell a daemon, I want to run this, um, this container image. And so what happens from that point on is the image gets pulled uh, probably from a container uh, registry or a Docker registry, gets pulled to the box, then it gets stored on the box somehow on top of, usually on top of copy on write file systems, and then the image gets launched. So what we wanted to look at is is break the, the, the process of running a container um, on a node into those three key components. And so mm-hmm. uh, o- over time, I've had different efforts under my team to implement different portions of that. So uh, the first one um, the first one to understand is actually running containers. So running containers is actually just pure uh, the OCI runtime um, uh, format, which is run C, run C, which was, is, part of o- is actually part of OCI. Um, it's the um, you know, OCI defined how how to build uh, how to define a running image, uh, what the commands are, what the JSON specification for it is. So we, we're just going to use Run C underneath OCID um, to actually launch the containers. And that, if you played with Docker 1.12 or later, um, Docker is doing the same thing. So Docker is just uh, setting up configuration for Run C to run. Um, and so by default, it runs. Um, uh, run C-based containers. Now that mm-hmm. both of us, uh, Docker and uh, OCID, are probably going to support other container runtimes um, as they come up. So you know, we might experiment, say, with some like Clear Containers and um, any other tool that that supports the OCI um, uh, runtime environment. Um, but then we looked at how do we do pulling and pushing of, of container images, and uh, we we started developing uh, probably about a couple of years ago a thing called Scopio. And Scopio is a tool, uh, originally Scopio, the goal with Scopio was to plug it into Atomic to be able to look at a registry and look at the JSON that describes an image at a registry. Um, So um, what what we wanted for the Atomic command was to be able to pull down that JSON and look at the labels um, in the JSON and figure out whether or not you want to actually pull the image to the disk. Docker has no support for sort of a Docker remote inspect. Um, so we uh, we actually gave patches to Docker at the time saying we want to add you know, Docker inspect dash dash remote. Um, mm-hmm. And Docker at that time had no interest in the, in the uh, patches to be able to do that. So the only way to – so you would have to actually pull and install an image in order to look at the JSON that described the image. So we decided to, to implement this tool called Scopio that – basically just pull down the JSON from a, a, a registry and look at it. Uh, but over time, Scopio sort of slowly grew into a tool that could not only pull down the JSON. Oh, by the way, Scopio is, is Greek for uh, remote viewing. So that's where the term comes mm-hmm. from. But basically, we want to re- remote view the JSON. Um, but over time, Scopio sort of grew into the ability to pull and push images also because it was pretty close to and the ability just being able to pull down the JSON implemented most of the stuff to talk to a web service and be able to pull down an image or pull down a Docker image. Um, so um, Scopio uh, tool was built and uh, we've actually talked to, um, we've been talking back and forth with other vendors that wanted to 
to take advantage of that, but they didn't want a tool. They wanted a Go um, library. So we broke uh, Scopio into two different components. We created something called containers slash image. So if you go mm -hmm. to GitHub, github.com containers slash image now, uh, based on the heart of Scopio, uh, the Scopio Go code is there. And then Scopio becomes just a CLI wrapper around containers image. But mm -hmm. with containers image, now we have the ability to pull and push images from the internet. So uh, next so the third component that we've been building for a, a while, um, we, we have actually an interesting tool called Atomic Mount. And what Atomic Mount allows you to do is take a uh, image from stored inside of a Docker, um, your, your local Docker store, and actually mount it up. So you could say Atomic Mount uh, BusyBox slash mount. And if you go to slash mount, then you'll actually see all the content in, inside of the, the image uh, BusyBox. Um, and we did, we actually take advantage of that functionality all over the place uh, with tools like Atomic Scanning and uh, tools like that. Mm -hmm. But um, it, by its nature, it's very racy because the, the Docker, you know, we're basically going underneath the covers and uh, using device mapper or overlay, and we're actually mounting up the image um, outside of Docker to, to um, you know, be able to mount the image. But mm -hmm. um, so that, that can be racy because someone, you know, you could have an image mounted and someone could go to the Docker engine and, and basically say, remove that image. And then, you know, what mm -hmm. happens at that point? Things, things start to break down. So a couple of years ago, uh, again, we started an effort to uh, look at, could we get, um, take the, the under Docker, the, the thing that stores images is called the graph driver. So we started an effort to look at, can we get the graph driver outside of Docker uh, to, uh, in, in such a way that other tools could lock images and unlock images and, um, and Docker would know that the images were locked and unlocked. Um, but Docker has all of its locking capabilities are built in memory. They're not file system locks. Mm. Um, so the, the guy that I had working on that um, was constantly running into problems with trying to get, um, you know, with Docker changing all the time and, and figuring out how to do locking inside of Docker and outside. And um, so eventually we decided, well, why don't we just get this thing up and running outside of Docker and then we'll, well, you know, once we have it running well, um, you know, we can, you know, use use it outside of Docker. And then, as again, once we get it running well, maybe we can look at backporting it into Docker and, and open up a pull request to take all the graph driver uh, code out of. So when I say graph driver, I'm talking about a copy on write file systems, things like mm -hmm. device map, overlay, ButterFS, all, all the tools for storing images that are available inside of Docker. So. We, we took that tool and that became container storage. Um, so now you can, um, if you want to take a Docker image or a, a OCI image and unbundle it, you can actually store it on different types of, of storage. So each each layer, um, you can do it on top of device map or butter, ButterFS overlay, um, totally outside of, of Docker framework at this point. So mm -hmm. we have the, those three key components. We can run containers, we can pull and push containers, and we can actually store the containers on, on different types of file systems. Um, so the last component is, you know, it's called OCID, and that's the one people are picking up on. Um, OCID uh, so it comes from um, you know, basically uh, Google and Kubernetes defined what they call the uh, um, container runtime environment, the CRI, and uh, it's it's uh, 
uh, so originally Kubernetes just came along and all it could run was um, uh, Docker containers. So you know, just talk mm -hmm. to the Docker daemon. Uh, but over time, CoreOS wanted to um, allow Kubernetes to run not only Docker, but also be able to run um, Rocket. So what happened is Google defined an API that um, the Kubernetes would would allow you know other other container runtime environments to implement, um, and it's and so it's the Kubernetes uh, container runtime um, uh, API, or CRI is what they call a container runtime. Um, mm -hmm. uh, anyways, the um, so what we wanted to do is to build you know some take some code and build up our own container runtime environment, and we called it OCID. So OCID implements the Kubernetes container runtime. And then it uses uh, containers image and container storage to pull uh, containers um, from a registry, install them, and then finally it, it sets up a JSON file and launches run C under the covers. Um, so, uh, you know, basically with that, right now we're we're a long way from this thing being a product or or even to the point where we test it. Uh, we're probably going to put out some YouTube videos showing the thing actually working. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so much work that has to be done on it. That's why we really didn't want the, uh, you know, sort of this big announcement that happened in the last week to happen because it's it's really we're at baby steps. And we're just, again, experimenting to see if this is something that's it's worth pursuing or um, um, and if we could, you know, improve performance and, and get something get something really uh, novel for people running containers and, and production of containers, you know, through operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it, it it sounds to me like yeah you you guys were doing this somewhat on just quietly to just try some stuff out, but the press got wind of it and and maybe tried to read something more sinister into it of of like um you know just up to no good or something like that. But the reality is we're we're just trying some things out and it it also sounds to me like from what you're describing is that um you know one of my questions would be well why not just do everything inside of Docker? But it's it sounds to me like Docker is going 100 miles an hour innovating. Um, we're trying to innovate with uh, OpenShift. Uh, Google's trying to op innovate with Kubernetes. So having some abstraction layers and standards uh, standards-based boundaries to uh, would allow you know Docker to innovate, allow Red Hat to innovate, allow Google or CoreOS and everybody else to innovate um, in their own isolated ways by having these these standard boundaries defined. Is that is that sort of one of the things that you guys are thinking about? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's pretty core cool to. I mean, my my worldview is I I, I look at uh, right now that the most important thing is sort of what OCI is attempting to standardize on, which is you know what it means to run one of these containers and also what what the bundle format is or what the you know most people think of a Docker image as being something that's stored at. Um, you know, that Docker is defined for being stored. It's sort of a Docker registry. Um, but the problem with that is that it hasn't been standardized yet, although OCI is working on version 1.0 of what I call the OCI bundle. And OCI bundle is basically a Docker v2 bundle. So they're, they're pretty much matching up to what uh, Docker is currently specified. Um, but we want that to be standardized so that we don't end up with people you know forking the format you know that red ever since i got into containers my biggest fear with container image format is that we end up with sort of the debian versus uh, versus rpm war so what i look at is the two standards that are really critical to this are 
are, or the, the actually there's more than two, but the, the two big ones are the runtime environment. How do how do I run one of these things? What's the standard way for running one of these things? And then the second one is you know, the actual bundles to make sure that the, the way you way everybody builds an application is exactly the same. And those are really going under the OCI. Once we have, once we, I believe, once we have those, then then people can innovate on how how do I build um, those OCI bundles. So that's really you know that's where Docker you know Docker build and Docker really excels. But you know there's other people that are experimenting on the on the build side of the equation. Um, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Red Red Hat we have a thing called the Ansible container. So you know where Docker build is all about building um, based on uh, a Docker file. Uh, Ansible's built some stuff that's all based on um, sort of the standard way you have basic playbooks. So you can define a playbook and then build a container based off of a playbook. Um, but you're looking at innovative ways of, of building containers, uh, building OCI images. Um, so that's one side of it. But the other side of it is how do I run these things? You know, um, you know, how do you know what's what's the best way to to run these containers? And and so we have on that side, you have obviously Docker is is doing what they're doing, and then you have um, uh, Rocket, and you know, there's there's other tools that you know the people don't understand. There's lots and lots of tools for running containers. I mean, System DN Spawn's been around forever. There's uh, Ubuntu is doing a thing called LXCD. Um, there's, there's the old LXC tools from IBM. There's Ver- libvirt LXC. There's, there's lots and lots of ways of running containers. Um, so what we're looking for is how do we innovate on on that side, and that's really what the you know the OCID for Kubernetes is all about. Um, so you know, I think one you know the goal is to get as robust a, of an environment so that people can really experiment on the best ways of running containers in, in the world. Um, so that's I guess the bottom line is that's where we're after is, you know, is how, you know, how do we get it uh, so open source can do what it does, which is, you know, innovate and create new technologies. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it reminds me a lot back in the RHEL 5 days, whenever, you know, RHEL 5 came out with uh, it had Zen baked into it. But I, it was great that we had the foresight to do something like Libvirt um, as as a abstraction layer in between that. So that allowed uh the Zen project to uh, to really innovate and everything, and but by having that abstraction layer of, of Libvirt, people could write tooling to talk to Libvirt to do what they they need to do. And then uh, whenever KVM comes along, you know we could plug in KVM and and just allow that innovation to happen in in a variety of communities. So I, that's that's great. So right. one, one yeah, one of the other things, Dan, was that uh, you know a couple episodes ago we had Maha Shah, um, and one of the things that she was really interested in was uh, open source communities and forking. And and so I'm sure, you know, the you probably, uh, you know, with all the press surrounding this, people are like, oh my gosh, this is a fork and everything. And it's like, well, how do you look at this from a, a forking standpoint? And, you know, what, what's your perspective? Yeah, uh, so uh, it's funny you bring that up because we actually, uh, I actually wrote a blog uh, probably about a month ago now talking about, um, pe- people have been out saying we've been forking Docker for a while because we we um, carry patches with the Docker command. So there's um, so uh, um, and I, the, my basic idea of the blog was to identify that there's really two two ways of looking at forking, um, and 
is what I call the GitHub fork. So every, everybody goes to GitHub and they press the fork button and, you know, all of a sudden they, they forked a project and they start to write um, changes to the the project and then they submit those patches, hopefully at back upstream. And, you know, that's, that's considered, you know, the nice way of forking, right? And then there's, there's what's called a hostile fork where, where you basically take a project and, and you try to steal it away from the original creators of it or you try to convince the downstreams of the package to use your version of the, of the package versus the other one. So, um, so the, the way, the one that's, Probably the best case of that is, um, I don't know if you remember back when X386 was sort of the standard way of running Windows on top of uh, uh, Linux probably yeah. 10 years ago. And uh, the, they would have the community, the contributors were having a hard time with the people that were managing X386. And they decided to create X, Xorg. And Xorg was uh, basically told everybody that was contributing to um, you know, the X systems uh, to start contributing to Xorg instead of trying to contribute to X386. And, and what ended up happening is the distributions actually moved uh, to Xorg and X386 sort of died in the vine. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I, you know, we have no intention of doing that. So right now with Docker, we, we actually carry patches for downstream Docker, but everything we do on top of um, Docker, all of our patches, we submit them upstream. We hope that Docker uh, um, accepts them. In certain situations, they've rejected them. But if 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 we decide that it's important for our customers, we continue to uh, uh, support them. The other thing we do with uh, ups, with our version of Docker is we actually backport fixes. Um, so we take lots and lots of fixes from newer versions of Docker and backport them. And and the reason we're doing that is, you know, first of all, to get more stability for our customers, um, as well as uh, Docker changes so often that things like Kubernetes and OpenShift can't keep up. So actually, if, if people look right now inside of um, uh, RHEL 7, we're shipping two versions of Docker. So we have what the Docker package, and then we have the Docker latest package. And with the Docker package is the, uh, the best enterprise quality version of Docker that Kubernetes can use currently. And then the Docker latest package is the best, what I consider the enterprise quality version of Docker that is currently shipping. But since we're, you know, the main version of Docker is the one that Kubernetes uses, we want to fix any bugs that are found in upstream Docker. So if you looked at our version, right now uh, in, in RHEL 7, Docker we're shipping is actually 1.10, uh, whereas Docker right now is shipping 1.12. Um, so we, uh, Docker, and our Docker latest is 1.12. But we, what we've done is any bug fixes that, that we consider critical, uh, we backport to our version of Docker. Um, and if you go to uh, GitHub Project Atomic slash Docker, uh, actually all the patches are described there, everything that we're carrying. Um, and you can look at what we have for Docker 1.10 and 1.12. And, 1. and actually now we even have a 1.13, which is the development branch of Docker right now. We have all the patches there. So that's that's one way of looking at uh, you know, whether or not we're forking Docker. And I, as I said, I don't believe we are. Um, the OCID stuff is is and really totally not a fork of Docker because we have no in, uh, we have no intention of 
um, building OCID into supporting all the great features that are in Docker. So all the stuff around, you know, Docker build and, and Docker run and Docker create, um, all those all those APIs of the Docker engine we're not implementing inside of OCID. OCID is just a runtime environment for Kubernetes. So if anything that Kubernetes API specifies, we will implement in OCID. But anything that you know the Docker engine uh, um, that's required by Docker, uh, we won't. And 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 in Red Hat, we we continue we we plan on supporting both container runtime uh, environments going forward. OCID, we haven't decided if we're even going to ever ship. We're just experimenting right. with it. But if we shipped both, we, we would ship both. We wouldn't ship one or the other. Um, and again, we, we would allow our customers to decide if you want to run sort of a standard Docker environment, supported Docker environment from Red Hat, we'd, we'd support that. And if you wanted to support run a Kubernetes environment, um, then we would run it. You know, we'd do our testing and, and building theoretically on top of OCID if, if we decide to support OCID. So, um, um, so I, yeah. I mean, the Docker fork is, you know, that, that gets people clickbait. Um, and, um, you know, but basically all we're looking at is is taking all the, the, the great images that are being created by, uh, by vendors and customers and Red Hat itself and um, looking at, at better ways, you know, for running those things um, on systems, whether you do that with Docker or whether you do it, you know, uh, with OCID. And on Fedora, we actually even support uh, Rocket running um, the same images. So um, I think I think having a robust community of, of people developing um you know, containers is, is really, uh, is, is the way forward. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, Hey, this is great, Dan. I, I want to, uh, let you go, but I wanted to thank you for joining. Um, but before everybody goes, uh, before you go, um, if people wanted to get, uh, the show notes and, and links to all the, the stuff you mentioned, what, what site should we send them to? Oh, you go to my homepage, which is dgshow.org. All right. Okay, Dan. Well, hey, thanks for joining us and thanks everybody for listening. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye.